Hello podcast listeners, so I'm back out on Great Barrier Island in New Zealand. This is where my parents live. I'm out here for a week unplugging, doing some work on the house and around the house on the land, little bits and pieces, which is cool. I'm really excited. Hopefully get some spearfishing in. Now it's interesting because it was about this time last year that I connected with today's guest on this podcast. I had just started to flesh out uh, what became the Pillars of Power, which is a monster 130-page ebook that I have up on my website. And I knew that I wanted to get someone to help me out with the cover art or the illustration. So I reached out to Johan, who's today's guest. Uh, we had connected through a mutual friend of ours, uh, Joey, over at Jungle Brothers, who's also been a guest on this podcast. And this was one of my first engagements with an independent designer or freelance designer. And I have to say it was amazing. We went back and forth. He was very timely, um, you know, very transparent and very helpful in the process as well. And I was really, really happy with the result. So I was really fortunate to get to work with Johan a little bit more in the APA program in 2019. We just came off the back of the end of year retreat and Johan was a recipient of what's called the APA Award for Generosity. He really leaned into the group. He's an outstanding human and this award uh, came from nominations from everyone in the group. And so, you know, he's not just a great designer, not just a very talented individual, but also very, very generous and really cool guy to hang out with. And I was very fortunate to be welcomed into his home and we recorded this episode it's an hour if you're creating a project your business this is going to be really cool because this guy's high level and you're going to get some great takeaways on how to think about design creativity branding uh, we even go into art a little bit talk about the differences with all those we talk about his takes on this and some of his own internal struggles with how to reconcile this stuff um, but you'll get some, also some specific takeaways on how you can think about your business and spicing things up and making things resonate perhaps a little bit more powerfully with your audience. So without further ado, let's kick it off. Uh, this is episode 49 and you're listening to John Marsh. This is the Access Potential Podcast. I'm down here in Camden catching up with Johan and I'm really excited because I've known Johan for a while about this time last year actually I was creating a big ebook that I was pretty excited about and I knew that I'd seen this guy's work because of our mutual friend Joe over at Jungle Brothers shout out to Joey and I loved what I had seen and so of course like we often do I jumped onto Instagram I was following him on his Joe Mappy account checking out all of his artwork illustration design and it just lights me up it was this really cool connection to culture and to a whole world that I, I personally love but I'm not obviously very well versed at so I reached out and then he did uh, the cover art for that ebook and since then we've been able to work together this year uh, a little bit more and i've been able to learn more about johan's world and his skill set and what he's able to do and create and so today i'm excited to dive in and we're going to talk about um, all things kind of starting a business johan's um, carving out his own path with his work now and i really want to bring some value into you guys the listeners 
around also this world of creativity and art and design and branding um, maybe not in such a real structured way but just kind of in terms of how we think about it uh, i think one of the things that i'm really passionate about is that we can all embrace this stuff whether that's on our own or through you know enrolling somebody else to help us out so i guess firstly johan thanks for inviting me into your home um it's really cool to kind of see your world and yeah, yeah. well thanks for coming yeah and a bit of a drive for you from newcastle so i appreciate you uh i guess wanting to learn more about design more more about myself but also uh i think yeah just hosting someone is also like a nice way to connect in a, in a deeper level so thank you for dropping by excited about today's podcast yeah, yeah i talk, talk to a lot of people obviously you know you've seen it about i think everyone should start a podcast and there's all these benefits with you know the the connection and you know reaching in super niche and all this but really at the end of the day like you don't it sounds weird but you don't get that many opportunities today sit with someone for an hour yeah and not go on social media not check your emails yeah, not definitely. procrastinate yeah totally um so i love it you know this is this is great for me it's my favorite thing to do yeah yeah i think also like well, a bit of a short history with where i am at the moment with my work and my business um i'm sort of fourth fifth month into my own solo work and what i'm learning from running my own business full-time is that yeah the connection is really 100% where everything is so all my assumptions about how a business is run has been sort of thrown out the door <laughs> within the first couple of months and really like um, through learning it really the value is yeah in human connection or even just relationships you know I've met so many people these last few months mm. through APA through you know consciously reaching out to people that I want to help uh, that has really changed not only my my worldview but also yeah how i approach i guess work in general mm. yeah. i want to talk about this this idea of connection and you know i kind of sometimes i think about this lots of different ways but some sometimes i think about it in terms of communication and communicating in non-verbal formats to your your people your culture whatever it is and mm. I see a lot of the way that art can kind of move or touch us in certain ways as part of that, a key part of that communication. Mm -hmm. But I want to get some, um, a little bit of context or story um, from you mm -hmm. in terms of how did we end up sitting here? How do you end up doing this thing, the work that you're doing now? What was your, give us a little bit of a background story on, on why, where did the, this, idea of art or design or mm. where did that thread come from sure uh, uh i would say i've been i'm very lucky in that my parents are both artistic and we live in an artistic we grew up in an artistic household my dad was uh a musician with you know pretty big in the 90s in indonesia and he's you know reasonably well known there at the moment but it's around that sort of culture um art just seems like the norm so uh, the way we spoke, the way we approached life, how we looked at things, which seemed very normal to me, um, and throughout my my life, I suppose it's yeah, art has a lot more of um, I guess holds a lot of weight in our in our family. Uh, so I can't speak for everyone else's family, but it's sort of like it's always part of our vocabulary. So mm -hmm. that's how we spoke to each other. It's how we related. 
uh, and I guess as we grew up, um, I grew up in Indonesia for the first 10 years of my life. Uh, we moved to Australia, moved to Sydney, and there was a bit of a culture shock, not only in the language that people spoke, but also in, I guess, now that I look back, that sort of approach to art as being part of the culture. I think there is a strong artistic culture in Australia, but I think there's a kind of different approach to it in uh, in Indonesia, in, in my opinion. So I think the word budaya, which, which means culture uh, in Indonesia, is all about, yeah, you know, everyone expresses themselves through through that. And so maybe it's a bit of a different landscape here in, in Australia. So that for me was a bit of a... Um, took a bit of adjustment. But having said that, living in the bubble of our, of our household, art was always encouraged. And so, yeah, I went through school, high school, and time to go to uni. Like, by the time I decided to go to uni, I was a bit of a question as to, okay, what did I want to learn? Um, and, you know, I decided to go down the fine arts path, even even though my mum said, don't do that, <laughs> knowing that what an artist's life is like, she's saying, you know, be an architect or do something else, but don't be an artist. But obviously it was deep down ingrained in, in my in my identity, I suppose. So I enjoyed that, that route. Um, and then I guess has that evolved, I sort of dove into, you know, how to think like an artist in, in deconstructing ideas in not explaining every minute detail, leaving things open, using metaphors, visually, verbally, uh, and I really enjoyed that sort of that world of being, you know, of building a craft around um, themes that aren't easily explained through words. So, yeah, I think metaphor is the best way to explain it. So mm. I guess, you know, growing up, everything, you know, it was all about art, about metaphors, things like that. Cut to, I guess, the end of university and, and finding a job. That's where things, there was a bit of a dissonance between what I learnt as an artist and what I found out there, I guess, in the working world, uh, it was a harder to, I guess, uh, in my opinion, to make money as an artist. And so there's the joke going around, I suppose, that, you know, designers are artists that, that didn't make it or couldn't make it. And so, yeah, in a way I fell into design, but I, at the same time really appreciated the, the um, how design approached problems from a different angle. Mm. And so I guess part of my identity now is having that art background and the design background, which, you know, it's kind of like a, this, not an internal battle, but it's a two sort of, two recipes in the same sort of uh, dish that I'm trying to create. So mm. it's a bit of a, a tension in there. Mm. It's interesting because I have empathy for that tension that mm. feeling but i don't feel it as well right i remember sitting at uh my last year i, I was 50 50 gonna go arts or engineering right and um it ended up being a, a, a decision that was based on a conversation with my mom looking at this uh little like leaflet from one of the universities on <laughs> yeah. which professions were doing well at the time yeah yeah and it was like doctor lawyer like engineer and so it was like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but even then there was tension because it's different ways of thinking about things uh, or, or could be, you know. Yeah, sure. So how did you end up being, so then you ended up, you know, fast forward a few years, you're in a agency or yeah. what did it look like professionally for you? Sure. After, after university, um, 
yeah, I worked as a designer for uh, in-house um, team at a wine distributor. I was there for about 10 years and got really, really comfortable. I think that was probably the, the fastest 10 years of my life where it, you know, life wasn't about my craft, about what my day-to-day was. It was about you know, the nightlife, about going out on the weekend and sort of experiencing that, that idea of nine to five. And I guess in a way not being you know, angry about it, like accepting it as being, okay, well, maybe this is, this is life, you know, this, maybe this is what um, the future holds for me. And so I, I, I enjoyed design though, like during that time, I didn't stop learning, but um, came towards the end of that 10 year, there was a bit of tension that sort of bubbled up inside, you know? And so I thought, okay, this job is, you know, the limit as to where I can only learn it so much in this job and I'll move on to a, a different job, another design job or something. So I looked around and I, I guess within the next five years I jumped between three jobs uh, doing different design work and during that time learning a lot about design and design thinking and appreciating it in a, in a deeper level. Uh, cut to five years after that, I'm, I'm now in a position now where I go, okay, um, maybe I can do this on my own. So I suppose that's where I'm right now, but during that, those sort of... Uh, different steps along the way, learning a lot about uh, the power of design thinking and putting that into uh, my work and feeling more, more, I guess, confident about how design can solve problems. Hmm. Do you want to, for the people listening, because I throw that word around sometimes, design thinking, Hmm. do you want to expand on like just quickly what that means to you or what that shift looked like? Uh, either contrasting how you might have looked yeah, before sure. versus now, or what, what, what does that mean? Uh, my, I guess my take on design thinking is uh, creating frameworks around abstract ideas and being able to, I guess, be able to measure things um, in a more, in a more, I guess, constructive way. So. I think it was kind of like, I don't know if it was born out of the San Francisco boom, the tech boom, but I think it really was, it took off around that, that time, you know, the time of Airbnbs and the, and the Ubers and things like that, like even a few years previous to that. But I suppose the idea behind it being that these are great ways to um, break down a problem into steps that we can um, quickly learn and iterate as we design and not go into a, a problem with an assumption and building it and then sort of testing and then putting a product out in the world and for it to fail. Mm. It's more of a iterative approach where you go, okay, we have an assumption, let's test this out in the most lean possible way. Mm. Uh, yes, it works. No, it doesn't. Let's go back to the drawing board and having that as part of a process. And so in that way, it's kind of like a um, more scientific approach to um, to solving problems mm. using design thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I think about it kind of like a way to solve the problem at hand mm. a little bit more than the path dependent way or a little bit more than the habitual way that it's yeah. always done or yeah. even a way to break the status quo a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I guess, you know, Uber and the Y Combinator group and all of those companies yeah. did in a cool way. Yeah, definitely. I think it's about reducing the risk more than anything else. So mm. I guess, you know, if you lived in the world of, you know, building like thinking in the software world, right? Like this is, there was a huge 
jump between this idea of waterfall design and waterfall thinking where you build something and you sort of lock yourself away in a cupboard or in a room with your design team and with your developers and you build something and two years later you launch it out and you get okay it's out but no one takes it up and having a huge risk of doing it that way to the mm. new agile way, of think, agile way of thinking where you have an assumption, you test it out the most rough possible way and I guess and doing that up until you get to a certain product which won't be the most shiniest object, uh, shiniest product out there but at the same time it encourages take up from the customers mm. and from the people that you're looking to help. Yeah. So I guess in a way it's well, definitely it's more human way of approaching things. It's more of a there's more humility in that, I think, in that, you know, our product doesn't solve everything. Like, it's realizing that we don't have all the answers and we'd like to learn from you and it's more of a collaborative approach with the people that you're looking to, to help. Yeah, yeah, and you get that, you get that sense of if there's that market fit earlier. Yeah, definitely. Um, which, I, like you said, is less risky. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Let's go into you know, you started to see things in this different way. You were working, um, you know, with, you know, you're now working, what happened then? Cause you then started to do, this was the conversation where you're like, okay, I can do this on my own. Yeah, sure. Um, what was the next step? Cause I know you started to have like the jungle brothers work, which is yeah. when I got the exposure. Yeah, definitely. Was it side jobs, side projects? Yeah. yeah. So the freelance work that, um, like for jungle brothers, for example, was a, um, work that came out of, I guess, well, connections, you know, I, I knew Paul um, from, to Paul from Jungle Brothers from, uh, I guess we went to, sort of hung around the similar sort of circles back in, in high school days. And I always sort of just spoke to him and said, wow, wow, man, you, you guys are building something really cool, very different from what I've seen before. And he sort of, you know, realized that I also drew and created art and things like that. And we sort of found out, I guess, a common ground in, in the way that we thought being away, again, like to use your words, away from the status quo, um, the way that they approach things uh, really resonated with me because it's almost like that design thinking is about thinking about the, the people first as opposed to being a global gym that has everything. They actually thought about uh, a mission and also t- thinking about the people that they want to serve and building around them. So like, you know, there was a few things that were aligning there, but he approached me and then we sort of started off with small projects, designing a hoodie. And then after a while worked with a rebrand and, and worked closer with them. So I guess out of that sort of fueled a bit of a fire in me and doing more freelance jobs on the side. You know, That's probably the most exciting work that I've, I've done in a while during that full-time design work. Mm. I can almost sense it. Hey, when you have that like grind going and then you mm. get this little, morsel of like yeah you know, the, the mouse gets a bit of cheese kind yeah, of like yeah yeah totally so talk about the next bit which i guess is where the tension lies and probably with a lot of people i know listening may resonate where they're in you know i had a conversation yesterday with the guys like in the thing for eight to ten years um you know and then this thing pops up this little kernel of thought maybe mm. i can do this over here yeah what was the next how did you approach that next, the next transition, the yeah, next phase? Sure. Well, I think, to be honest, there's fear still rules a little bit about my, a little bit of my life in in the decisions decisions that I make. So there's um, that's why I started Favor the Brave as a business, both as a call out to help those brave enough to make change in the world, but also 
as a bit of a prompter for me to okay make a decision and, and be brave about um you know going out solo so i was lucky enough to be made redundant most recently my most recent design role uh but it was always like this push that i needed to really okay let's do this thing let's let's make a career out of it let's make build a business out of design uh, and art because it is within you um this is me talking to myself now um but there was always that fear of making that leap making that jump you know i have a young family you know mortgage and all that sort of stuff so the logic side of me the logical side of me would never allow me to go okay let's, i'm going to do this but the emotional side was always you know nagging at me to to make that leap so the external help in being made uh, redundant helped me sort of take that uh, step more seriously. Let's talk about, you know, what, so you took that step and then you, you know, needed to get work and maybe let's talk about um, the, what you, let's talk about this, this problem that you're solving because mm. you, obviously had connections you're meeting people and i've been on the other side of that i've been the person who needs the the value right i need this ability to communicate my brand or my idea graphically visually brand wise however Mm. you want to talk about it artistically however you want to go into it but what's the main I guess what's it for of your service at that time yeah you know you would meet someone yeah. what's their problem that you are trying to help them solve yeah I think a lot of it having talked about my own fears I think part of that is also uh, removing my clients fears as well so with the branding workshop um, that I've run with you for for Blue Giants and a couple of other clients uh, when I help them with their brand work um, we go through a bit of a workshop where we outline, um, I guess, the customers that they're after, the kind of voice that they want, the tone of voice that they use, things like that. I think part of that workshop is also giving the business owner, a, a, I guess, a sense of confidence. And I think my belief is that you are way more confident as, as soon as you know who you are. There is that sort of internal like uh, energy where you can sort of stand with conviction going, okay, this is what I stand for. I'm crystal clear as to what I want to do. And then I guess my job as a brand designer is to help them with that during that step. So it's not about choosing the colors for your brand or designing a logo. It's actually the step before that about making sure that the personality or the identity uh, is solid inside so that when you do express it externally, um, it's a strong, you know, it's it's not like a superficial thing. It comes from a a stronger base. Mm. Let's go, I'll pick up on that word brand real quick because mm. I think if you're listening, you'll be able to, whether you have a lot of exposure experience with brand or not, you'll know, you know, maybe it's on Facebook or Instagram, you'll know brands when you think about it that come to mind that evoke a feeling or that you can, yeah. that you can call into your psyche really quickly um and so you know that it's important but i think maybe we could dive into a little bit more in terms of how you might define it or sure. how you would express what brand is yeah to someone and why it's so important yeah so i guess the the best inter- um, explanation of a brand that i've read is by marty newbuyer who's written a few books around brand um and that is that it's a gut feeling 
that you have for a, a particular business or a company or a service. So a brand, yeah, it's not the logo, it's not the product, but it's, you know, if you were to say, um, you know, Airbnb, you would have, a, I guess, an emotional reaction to that, to that brand because, yeah, the way that they communicate um, sort of is all consistent with, um, I guess, giving you this feeling that the, the world is your home, like you're able to travel anywhere and still feel at home because okay, they'd really worked hard on that uh, positioning, on that, on, on getting that feeling and emotion out there. So, yeah, brand is, um, I guess, also another way to say it. it's like your rep reputation. So from a macro top level, a brand strength is, is being able to communicate who you are without speaking to them one-on-one. -on -one. So mm -hmm. like you have a brand. So for example, you, John, if you were to build your, well, you do have a brand and you're building on it, you know, every week or every, every month now, I see, see that growing. You get to a certain stage where someone might jump onto your Instagram or jump on your website. They'll get a sense of who you are straight away based on just the content you put out, the position that you take. So that that's a brand because you haven't actually spoken to them. You haven't given them, given them, you know, I guess your spiel or, or communicated with them. Mm. It sort of does the work for you. It's your reputation. Mm. I don't want to go like do the whole episode on brand. Yeah. But just quickly, like, you know, you, I want to just share with people listening. You gave a masterclass on brand, um, designing a remarkable business was yeah. the title. It's available on your website yeah. with some actual, uh, I think I'm, I'm into, I love this conversation that I get to have with people on the podcast. One of the things most recently is to bring to actually also have the tactics as well. Mm. The little nuggets with things yeah, that yeah, people sure, can bring sure. in. But you can go onto Johan's website and download this um, PDF and video. One couple things that come to mind that when you mentioned for me, because I'm obviously very, uh, you know, I, I kind of very new at that mm -hmm. or very lower level, I guess you could say. Like I try, but there's not the nuance there. But you spoke about a couple things which I had been thinking about. Things like font being the same, colors yeah, being sure, kind of like sure. common. Um, talk just real quickly, not to go into that stuff, yeah. but I think, you know, what are some things that people can start to become even aware of yeah. playing into brand? Sure, sure. Um, it's not going to solve the problem on yeah, the yeah, totally. thing, but you know, what could they start to think about versus just accidental branding? Yeah, yeah, totally. And I think part of that uh, masterclass that I, I ran for the APA group sort of touched on that. Um, and using a, I guess, going to a party as a metaphor, you know, you meet people at a party and then you sort of judge them based on three things, you know, the way they dress, uh, the way they speak and and I guess in their personality as well, so their, their identity and the sort of topic that they, they talk about. So um, so I guess those are the three points that I, uh, I pulled out. So part of the, the, the idea behind that is that if you were to dress a particular way and said something completely different, so you dress like a yoga instructor, but then you, you spoke like a, um, you know, like a Wall Street um, banker, there's a bit of a, like a, you know, dissonance there. So there's, that there needs to be consistency between the, the three sort of levels that I just spoke about. So what you need to be mindful of is that if you were to put a lot of personality onto like the typeface that you use and choose like a flowery font or like a really strong block font, but then what you talk about is completely different to that. Like the way the words that you use, the copy that you use is completely is, is not in line with that. 
unless you're doing it deliberately and knowing what you're doing, it really sort of jars you and it sort of gives the impression that you only chose the font because it looks good, but not because it reflects who you are. So I guess um, as far as sort of normal tactics that you can be aware of is that more than anything, it's probably better to choose a safer font than it is to choose one that is overly full of personality because it's just, you know, better to not put people off by a strong personality unless you know what you're doing. Mm. So um, obviously there's Google fonts have a lot of free fonts that you can download and use and you can choose from from any of the other fonts there. And, and the other thing that I guess you want to be aware of is the colors that you choose. So I guess without going too deep into color psychology and all that sort of stuff, I guess to start choosing colors that reflect your brand is, is a bit of a deep dive. So the only thing I would say is that maybe choose one or two highlight colors or just choose one brand color and and then have different tints of shade around that color um, because that's probably the safest way to go. And then from there, you can probably build it out that way. Yeah, and I think one thing that's important or comes to mind for me is a lot of people will just be putting stuff up and yeah. they'll hear something like this and they go, okay, cool, I'm gonna flip my font and do it and then yeah. put that up. And I think one of the things that springs to mind is like you have intent behind all of this. Yeah, so definitely. if the thing is chopping and changing yeah. all the time, it's hard for us to get a feel of what yeah. that is. Yeah, and yeah. so it might not like kill everything, but the upfront intent or the pause yeah. to make sure that there's alignment with what oh, you're trying definitely. to do is, is yeah. worthwhile. Yeah, it's and you would lose trust straight away. Like, you know, it's kind of like if you, spoken English one day and spoken Mandarin the next day is like <laughs> who who are you really you know mm. if you're changing fonts all the time it's it's much better to stay with a probably a boring font as long as it's consistent up until you get to a point where you're you realize where you want to go it's better just to stay with one font and and I guess the most important thing when you communicate is uh, legibility and clarity um, as long as that is strong and comes through that you're probably much safer than jumping around between different colors of fonts. Yeah. I guess I want to move on from this uh, the sort of brand and design mm. stuff, but if you're listening, basically it, the way I kind of think about it is you've got two options. One is you fight tooth and nail and co try to copy a bunch of people and mm. just learn something through osmosis. Yeah. Or two, you work with someone like yeah. yourself yeah. and sit down with your business yeah. and understand your, your niche or your customer yeah. and I think, you know, I've gone both roads yeah. and both have kind of worked, but I yeah. think in terms of like cost benefit, yeah. sitting with somebody, you get the confidence, yeah. you get to um, go through and break down where you're yeah. going and maybe you're even 10 years into your business and yeah. you're not going to do a huge rebrand, yeah. but you might just want to go, okay, well, how can I pull, tighten, tighten yeah. things up totally. and bring some totally. consistency, yeah, totally. which then when you think about culture and staff and, you know, getting everyone on the same page, you get to start to roll this out. Mm. And then all of a sudden everyone's speaking that lingo together. Yeah, totally. And yeah. And, and I don't, if you're starting a new business or you're pretty early on in the business as well, I don't want you to either get stuck on the brand side of things. It's much better to just maybe see the brands that you like and, uh, and align with and sort of reverse engineer what they have. It's okay to, to copy a certain level um, to a certain degree. It's much better to do it that way than being stuck on, okay, what's the most perfect font? So mm. I think like design thinking, it's all about iterative sort of 
testing in and, and refining, you know, especially at the start, no one really knows you anyway. So it's, it's okay to, to a certain degree start, um, strong, but, um, maybe it's not probably the most refined at the start, but it's, it's a way to learn as well. Mm. Let's talk about this idea of, uh, brand on a bigger picture as these say we spoke about gyms with jungle brothers mm. but you could pick any industry that you know yoga whatever yeah. it could be anything yeah as the market starts to really get saturated you know literally as you know you know team on over in wellington yeah. like uh at there at bonobo and another gym we happen to be on gyms at the moment but i think there's six gyms on their street yeah and this could be, you know, footwear, it could be whatever we want to choose. Uh, there's so many options now that it feels like this concept of brand and the yeah. way that we resonate with the people behind the scenes and yeah. the business itself is getting more and more important Definitely. because it's allowing us to really pick and choose the personal group that we're really aligned with yeah, yeah. even at like a value level like yeah. super deep yeah um is there anything you'd like to talk on that in terms of as we move forward do you see this playing out to be mm. more important is it changing yeah what are your thoughts i guess there's two arguments that i've heard recently as to how to uh, stand out and one being positioning and and choosing a, a niche so say if you're like on a row of stores running stores there's six stores in a row you could say we're you know we do running shoes for uh, marathons only and then so the person the marathon runner they will see that straight away and that's that's where they'll go straight away the other argument is also on salience so, but that's probably more on a marketing level but if you there's this argument that positioning works and niching works to a certain degree but you also need to be in front of people's faces at the same time you know there's so many businesses out there so many businesses starting every day it's hard to to just say look we, we're a running store for marathon runners and leave it at that and just expect people to come in mm. there needs to be that level of marketing that level of putting yourself out there and mm. putting being in front of people's faces and that's why, you know, even though everyone knows who Coca-Cola are, they still do run TV ads. They still have billboards everywhere because salience is real pretty. Uh, it is really strong in sort of keeping front of mind for, for people as well. So mm. there's two sides, you know, you need, you need to know who you are and your position, but you also need to make an effort on being in front of people's faces. And I think, you know, I could think of say, if you were a master crafts person mm. at building, you know, amazing chairs mm. or something hand done, you might not have say a marketing engine and be really huge on the salience, yeah. but be so good that yeah. you make up for it, you know, with that super niched product. Yeah, yeah. But I think the thing that, so, so what I guess I'm picking up is you could sit possibly along the spectrum in different ways, yeah. but, the, the takeaway is you definitely have to have attention on one or both yes. uh, versus the, the just nothing, right? Like, yeah. oh, I'm going to open a running store. Yeah, yeah. So, totally. well, okay, either who's your yeah. niche or you got to really be Yeah, out yeah, there. exactly. And I think the being out there, that, that salience piece of being in front of everyone's faces, that will work only to a certain level if you don't niche yourself yeah yeah if you just say we're a running store right we're uh, sorry we're a shoe store we're a shoe store we're a shoe store 
that has no connection to the random person. If you are to go to down the road of marketing or even if it's Facebook marketing, whatever it might be, you're able to narrow down who it is that you want to speak to. Mm. So there's a two, two points there that you need to be aware of. Yeah, I remember speaking of running store. I remember I owned a running store for a while and we had, the, the store we set up was literally on, I think I had 10 grand in savings and yeah. the store got set up with basically 10 grand. <laughs> yeah, right. We had like 10 shoes on the wall and then that bootstrap the next order. Yeah. And this shoe shop opens up and uh, it was in, I think, Top Ride or yeah. something, the sh new shopping center. And the word on the street was that they did a 400K fit out and they had yeah, right. full indoor running track yeah, and yeah, all yeah. of this stuff. And um, and two years later, they were gone. Yeah. Okay. And the thing was that they, they, they leveraged so hard on this upfront cost, but it was kind of like not really clear who it was mm. and who it was for. And yeah, so totally. they got themselves out there, but you know, our little store had this super like dedicated crew yeah. of hardcore runners yeah, yeah. who weren't going to go into a mall. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. even that cut them out, you know, yeah, it's really totally. interesting. And it's like that, that strength in your positioning, it makes it easier for you, the customers that go to your store to tell other people about your store mm. quite easily. They mm. go, oh, you like, you know, you're running store, you like marathons, yeah, go to this store. You don't say, oh, have you seen, checked out that new store? Um, they have all the shoes, they have a running track. But unless you have a purpose of going there, it won't be brought up. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about, uh, I'm wary of terminology. Let's talk about creativity or art or, you know, whatever that might be. If you're listening, we came in before and Johan had um, some of his artwork and things he had created. And I got really excited because I think that for a business in any segment, like even what I do, I get really excited about bringing in creative ways to express my sure. message. So yeah. if anyone follows me, they'll see, you know, that it's just been the last month I'm trying to do more say video cut-ups yeah. on Instagram yeah. or whatever yeah. it might be. And I want to have, like, I want to go down the road of like, you know, caricatures yeah. or a drawing or yeah. something else that's used to bring a level of fun and yeah. relevance and engagement yeah. to the super niche yeah. that's also able to articulate that message. So I guess what I'm saying is, as everything saturates and goes kind of, everyone's looking across at everyone else, I see this creativity area or art or whatever as like not just fun, but the edge, like yeah. the cool way to bring people's, to bring attention and trust sure. and resonance. Sure. Could you talk about what, what does that bring up for you? And then we'll just see where it goes. Uh, I guess in yeah, the power of creativity and yeah, I mean, like I said, I grew up in an, artistic household so to me it's just part of my language part of my dna and i was just thinking about this the other day actually that you know language or the written word is like it's a metaphor like you know it's an abstraction sorry it's a it's a language so is visuals is also a language you know music is also a language so it's basically it's just another way to explain something so i think when when you were talking about some of the other, some of the artworks that I was showing you and that you had these ideas of how to present this or how to use this with your own stuff. Basically, I think it's just adding another layer to what you're saying. And as, as much as it helps you stand out, it also just 
sort of solidifies the message to a certain degree. The, the reason it stands out, I think, is that because, um, yeah, there's a bit of like a, you make it more of a three-dimensional thing as opposed to a line of text. It's a line of text and an image all of a sudden gives you another perspective within the same image, within the same frame. And so, yeah, I think to me, I enjoy creating, you know, artworks that sort of leave you hanging a little bit. And so that creates tension straight away because it invites the person looking at it to sort of finish off the sentence that you might be leaving hanging there, for example. Um, but it's an yeah, interesting idea for this combining creativity and, and the business side of things, which is, I guess, the last four months have been my internal uh, tension. Mm. Talk a bit more about that. How does that... Uh, well, the first thing is I want to ask a question. When you hang out with people who don't have this as mm. part of their language, yeah. like, say, myself, you know, try as hard as I might, it's not really there at the yeah, same sure. level. Is it just boring for you? Like, are you <laughs> just like, are you, you know, are you expecting... Like when you go back to your childhood, yeah. is it like, yeah. is it like music at the dinner table type yeah. thing? Like, a- yeah, well, yeah, you haven't invited me over to dinner yet, John, so I don't know, but yeah, it's, I guess to me, yeah, it took me a while to realize that not everyone's the same. So obviously, you, yeah, you grew up in a certain sort of culture, you realize that when you start meeting other people, other cultures, you realize, okay, there, there are differences there. But at the same time, I wouldn't say it's boring, I just because I'm always learning from other people anyway. And just, for me, is like more of a case of, okay, well then how will they explain this idea if they didn't have art to explain it? Like mm. how, there's obviously something internally inside of all of us that we want to communicate, but art is just one way of doing it. You communicate maybe in a different way, whether it's through business, whether it's through, you know, sport or, or health or wellness, whatever it might be. It's just another expression of who you are. So yeah. for me, that's just an interesting play on it. Like art is just one way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, talk a little bit about what you, you know, I was just picking up there, you know, you mentioned this internal battle mm. or internal conflict or yeah. challenge, maybe yeah, is sure. a cool way to look at it. Um, with bringing those two together, what does that show up like? How do you, what do you mean by that? Yeah, and so... I guess for me that that idea came out of that first you know coming out of university not being able to live as earn a living as an artist so I guess that that for me has been a limiting belief that I'm sort of fighting fighting with uh, and so that's how I fell into design but then fell in love with design at the same time uh, so the struggle for me I think is just um, if I you know if I love design and I love art and I love, you know, music, whatever it might be. Like, if I love all these four, four or five things, how can I, do I have to let go of one of these things to make a living out of it? Or, or would it just be, would I live the rest of my life having this sort of nagging regret hanging over my shoulder? So I guess that's that sort of tension um, that I'm trying to resolve, that challenge. Um, try as I might to ignore art, it keeps coming back, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's because, yeah, it's just part of who I am. Um, my when I was younger there's I guess my dad's teacher from an artistic point of view was had this this talk with me when I was in university and not making art oh sorry just after university and not making art and he came to me and he said something along the lines of you know you have this energy within you that needs to come out in, in your art if you don't it will 
have a negative effect on you. It will actually eat you out, eat you up from inside. Oh, it's heavy. Yeah, that's pretty heavy. I'm like, okay, yeah, cool. <laughs> You're like 21. Yeah, so. exactly. And I thought, okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, Thanks, I, I get it as an idea. Yeah, cool, cool. I get it. And then you know, you live the rest, the rest, well, the next sort of 10, 15 years of your life, and you're going, you know, for some reason, I still remember that two minute conversation because obviously it resonated with me, right? Like the, it's not like something that I had and go, yeah, well, it doesn't mean anything. It obviously resonated because I, I still feel it today because mm-hmm. there is something inside me that I'm not expressing. So for me, I guess it's um, dealing with this limiting belief of no money in art. So I guess the next phase of what I want to do with my business is challenge that uh, and sort of not with that out of myself, but speak to as many artists or business people who, who, who employ art to see what it actually is out there in the world. So I'm going to employ design thinking and, and learning from other people. Mm-hmm. But it's a bit of a challenge for me to to try and create a life out of that. Mm. When you when you hear like if I say how I would love to have more art in mm. my business, mm. does that being in the same sentence does that create the conflict? Is that like a non non possibility well, for you? Or? It's I would say to that then you know what is the value of that? You know if you were, if you want to have more art in your business. But if you didn't have that art, you'd still have a business. Mm. Whereas if you want to have a life creating art, if you want to make money creating art, but if you don't have the money, you don't have a life. You know, there's, I think business can still run without art to a certain degree, mm. but it's about standing out. It's about, you know, going to the next level with art. So, yeah. so there's, yeah. a, I guess, you know, sad or not money, I guess, dictates a lot of decisions that, you know, you can't live without money. You know that I guess that's probably the limiting belief that I need to get over. Mm. But having lived in design world and hanging out with you guys at APA, I've learned a lot more about business and this idea of um, of money in a, in a new sort of way. So mm. I'm keen to jump back in. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you know, we talk a lot about worldviews and narratives, and I just not having the past in the art, I just go. Wow, I think there's, especially as we go forward, seeing what people, you know, send me on social media mm. and what comes through. Yeah, yeah. It's the the things that have a little twist to it. You know, it's the things that are, whether it's humor, you yeah. know, you could think of it that way, the creativity and, and, and a play on the yeah. copy or the play yeah. on the message totally. or the music. Or, uh, you know, even with the younger generation, like the TikTok platform or yeah. the way that, it's the stuff that's just there's there's a there's a performance element to yeah, it. Yeah, totally. And so I I feel that the next step for a lot of businesses like what I do or a lot of the smaller businesses where they're up against big mm. corporate conglomerates who are just spending tons on advertising or whatever mm. uh, or SEO or whatever is the art. You know, I yeah, think it is right. becoming a really cool place. Um, it's just my own personal kind of narrative on it. Yeah, and maybe it's it's the traditional view of art or illustration, whatever it might be. It needs to change. You know, maybe what it is that we've learned at art school of what it means to become an artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe that needs to change. You know, there's social media is pretty much 100%. You know, it's part of our lives. We can't escape it, right? And so maybe using that as a tool to leverage creativity, maybe that's where we need to go next. You know, mm-hmm. that's part of my uh, I guess journey moving forward is trying to understand that because I would say that as much as art is valued people not 
they, they probably wouldn't pay for it either. It's an interesting conversation, isn't it? Yeah. You know, w- once upon a time, the thing to do would be to go, say, to a museum yeah. and to look at it on the wall. Yeah. And now just where the attention lies, the attention's on the device, on the yes, screen. Totally. So how does that change what that conversation of what art is? Where does it go? Yeah. There's a, there was a, um, interesting Twitter. So there's this thing called design Twitter where everyone just talks about design and they either, you know, rag on people and how terrible people's new logos are, or they talk about, you know, how hard it is to work in a design agency, all that sort of stuff. But the, this guy in, in the US, he created this free illustration kit. So everyone, any startup or any small business can download it and use a free kit of illustrations, you know, no royalties or anything like that. And it's sort of like a decently illustrated, um, sort of set that you can sort of download. Uh, but then people from the design world would sort of flare up and go, well, wait a minute, you're devaluing the, the, you know, illustrators out there that have spent hours and hours drawing these kind of things. And then the other side of the camp go, well, if you can't, compete with a free set of illustrations than are you an illustrator so there's that sort of tension between I guess the value of illustration or creativity or art whatever that might be is still a bit of a gray area Mm. Uh, and I think we just need to be smarter about valuing that you know to think about it in a traditional way of you know illustration costs this much you pay this you get this plus royalties or can we be a bit more creative with how we use um creativity you know like whether it's using yeah tiktok or instagram to leverage your brand because you're a very good creative and not getting the money from your actual uh, illustrations but maybe through sponsorships or whatever that might be well the thing that comes to mind for me is uh specificity like you know once upon a time it was maybe like you create a piece of art to say something yeah and now like that person's created a bunch of illustrations and people can take it all yeah but he didn't create a specific illustration for me to have my message yeah, to say so to my people yeah, yeah and i think that relationship you know that's what i've seen you in the short space of time that i've watched you kind of flourish is a the connection cultivating the empathy for the people you're working yeah. with then creating something along that art design spectrum that fits that person yeah which totally. is not available yeah it, totally. it wasn't available before you stepped into that yeah, space totally, totally and i think if you have and so what it keeps coming back to is this i think it's really cool is this human connection of like understanding yeah. the person you know yeah so in a way the world got really big but then also it's like rewarding the person who can connect at the totally the micro yeah yeah too. i think yeah as soon as you commoditize something you sort of cut out the the lower level um stuff that you know might not resonate and after a while yeah those illustrations will look obviously um because everyone will have that it will be obvious that they didn't spend the time building that creativity for their business so definitely um well then it can't you know the thing that reminds me of i had this dog luna she's a little staffy and we had the gym down in melbourne for five years workshop and i got into this phase where i was filming this was a few years ago i was filming like three to five minute tutorials yeah. to put up on the website because i knew if i could do that for years yeah. i had this library yeah yeah ended up selling the business but anyway there was one where luna ran past and the yeah. thing and it blew up and yeah, yeah, yeah. throughout five series later luna ran past and yeah. blew up yeah yeah so then it was like okay well let's let's get a caricature let's yeah, start yeah. to bring this in and i think where i was going with this is um 
the the ability to see nuance and to see story you know once yeah. upon a time the painting was up on a rock wall and yeah. it's telling a story visually yeah. and we have art and yeah. then it leaves us hanging or whatever is like you can still that same sequence can still happen from you working with me you know and that's that's what gets me excited is like the the nuance the specific nature yeah, it's almost definitely. marketing there right like yeah, you're looking yeah. at a, a it's it, all the lines are getting super blurry yeah you know and i think it's also like a response to what exists almost you know like for you know if you were the first person to create these three to five minute tutorials on video if you had a dog sort of run across it then they would think that you're not very professional but because yeah. you weren't the first because there were other videos like this having a sort of like a realness to your execution made it yeah, more relatable right so yeah. it's about like this response of what what exists out there so also made me question the quality of my tutorials <laughs> if the dog was the best well I, not really like it's you know but that's the thing we resonate you know i was shooting with a with this camera actually yeah. like a decent camera yeah, yeah. trying really hard yeah, to be yeah, professional yeah. Yeah, yeah and then the dog comes through and yeah. everybody she's chasing a ball and everybody yeah. loves it well maybe you know it speaks to your brand as well right because you know you're the type of person that would have a dog hang out at the gym with you so it sort of mm. resonates with that and on that actually one of the most popular i think youtube yoga teachers you know where you can watch five minute classes always has a dog oh really sleeping on the side there so it's like it's a thing yeah so let's go into that a little bit for if if people have you know a business and they're doing this is only because this is top of mind they're doing say social media they're yeah. doing their thing mm -hmm. and they look across and it's like everyone's doing the same sure. thing yeah and it's frustrating them and they're not really growing their business yeah, i mean there's a bigger conversation of sure, course sure but they're just finding it hard to really stand out yeah and this same conversation even i can think of people looking for jobs and their yeah, cvs sure. and the whole personal brand but how could they start to think about you know how they might be able to use creativity yeah, or totally. you know innovating this kind of space yeah. or bringing in different color or yeah totally and maybe it comes back to that idea of seeing what's out there and having a response to it or maybe you have this you know when you start creating an instagram feed or whatever it might be like posts for your facebook page you might have an idea of okay well that business does that then maybe that's what we should do and so starting from the by creating something from the end result as opposed to as opposed to starting from what uh the intention is it's probably the wrong way to go about it so you know the hard thing about social media is you can't help but compare yourself to other people anyway but if you you know the best way about it i think it's to be the approach i think you should take is to be more authentic um to your brand or to yourself and also to the person that you're actually trying to speak to so it might not be the flashiest looking video post or instagram post but if it actually gives value to the person that you're trying to help then no one's going to care you know it's mm. it's not about the polish it's actually about the value within each one yeah and this is the interesting space you know harvey touched on this a little bit but as the the bandwidth yeah the phones the camera everything yeah. the tech has gone yeah it's it's basically gone uh we've all got it yeah whatever yeah. we need we've got it yeah um 
so therefore the differentiator is no longer like is it 4k or hd or yeah, 1080 yeah. or whatever yeah. we start to get back to this creativity and resonance yeah, totally. and things like that so i mean again man i think it's really cool i think it just the ball keeps landing back in your court for yeah me. that's the way i think about it anyway yeah, like, yeah. Oh, how can i how can i think more like what johan might think about this and do <laughs> yeah. something that's yeah, like totally. cool you know yeah yeah because yeah. otherwise we just try to work on a better you know f-stop on your camera or whatever yeah, and it's yeah. like oh, it's not really a differentiator anymore yeah yeah true and it's maybe it's also uh listening to Gary V last couple of days and he talks about just putting out content and he puts like a ridiculous amount of content out every day I think he challenges everyone to do was it like 64 pieces of content every day Probably. which is which is ridiculous um you got that yet or well not yet 63 <laughs> I'm almost there yeah. um but basically I think it removes the fear of of what you what you actually put out as as part of content but the next step you need to take is to look at the analytics behind it. Okay, what actually performed well? You know, like you realize the dog running across the screen was the most, the best performing post out of all of them, then maybe, okay, there is something there. And you might take a few sort of different interpretations as to what that was, whether it was the actual exercise or whether it was the breed of the dog or whether it was because it made you authentic. So you then experiment and take a riff on, on that kind of post and see if that I, resonates as well. Yeah. Personally, I only, uh, that's my whole interest. Yeah. I put something like I'll put a picture of the juggling, but the guy behind me yeah. juggling. Yeah. And I know that it's, I'm like looking for this to hook. Yeah. Yeah. And it does. And I'm yeah. like, damn it, that's good. Because, yeah. but how can, and the, my challenge is to do that intentionally. Yeah. You, it has to normally happen accidentally. Yeah. But where I see art come in is to go, ah, oh, actually i can sit down mm. with maybe some you know i've got some like posca pens or something yeah, yeah. and i can draw some stuff up yeah, totally. and then i could maybe run the voiceover over the yeah. top yeah yeah and yeah. all of a sudden i'm playing the game and i'm yeah. having a go yeah um but you know we get so caught up in looking over at what's the same as yeah, other people yeah. subconsciously yeah, yeah that yeah. i think we forget that we can we can play in that space yeah i think play is that the word that you need to to really like highlight there um you know as a kid before social media you know as a kid as a five six seven year old you're just playing for the sake of playing right and then you don't look at other people and go oh, i wish i could maybe you do a little bit i'm not sure but like you you, you find the enjoyment in the actual play you're mm -hmm. not there to compare how successful your play is you're playing because you, you have enjoyment there and so that becomes part of your identity so as you become an adult you kind of have to remember as to okay how did i play as a kid um there there is some sort of enjoyment and joy there that you maybe deep down have sort of repressed but i think that the play needs to come out um for you to start enjoying the the social media side of things because i think being too hard and rigid um doesn't work yeah yeah 100 percent is there anything else that you want to talk about that we've missed completely or that's been interesting at the moment? Uh, I guess... We do have some questions, actually. Yeah, yeah, so sure. Do you want to get to those now? Yeah, yeah, totally. All right, let's pull them up. So, if you're listening, often I'll do a shout-out for Q&A on Instagram or whatever. And the thing is, you know, I'm really lucky to get to sit with people who are leaders in different fields. If you have a specific question, 
send it through because I'll literally will get it answered from that expert, which is really cool, I think. So we got three questions, three questions. And the first one is, um, I think something that resonates with everyone. And I know I've gone through this yeah. battle myself. It's constant, right? Yeah. Finding yourself. Right? The question is, how do you personally work to craft your own style slash visual language? Yeah. Which is interesting that um, Kat mentioned language because you yeah, also yeah. mentioned that as well. Uh, how, yeah. How do I? Yeah. I guess, you know, your own style of vis- or your own language it's a bit of a weird one because yeah, when you, when you leave, well, when you're trying to find your identity as a, you know, 19, 20 year old, 21 year old, you go, okay, what is my language? What's my voice? And you sort of try and craft, um, craft one almost in reverse, looking at other people's work and go, I'm going to try and do that. But after a while, I don't know if it just takes wisdom, but it sort of just comes out naturally. Like I try and copy other people's styles, but then I tend to revert to my own style after a while anyway. It's just what feels most comfortable. I guess the hard part of that is not comparing yourself to others as you see what your default is. Mm-hmm. You, know, have, you know, obviously you can push yourself and see other techniques and see how that works, but you kind of revert to your own expression in a certain way and being okay with that being not so good for a while you know you, you won't be the best at that kind of style but the, the more you sort of harness a particular um way of working then the better it will flourish so i think it's the idea there's this idea from still like an artist by mm. austin cleon he I said you know book. yeah it's an amazing yeah. book so he said that you know if you steal from one person i think it's from that book you know you steal from one person steal a style from another person then it's it's stealing but if you try and steal from a few different sources then it becomes your own you know if you have if you're inspired by three or four different kinds of things then see how you can fix the, uh, put that all together into one way of expressing yeah i think that's you know from, from what i found spot on to i think for me the crafting volume has always underlined the crafting mm. as in like the cra- yeah, the, sure. the tailor like the style will change as vol- as time goes on, as long yeah, as vol- yeah. as long as production's continuing. Yeah, totally. it continues to be crafted more and more. Yeah, yeah. And the cool flip side is that, for me anyway, the confidence comes as well, which yeah. allows me to go. Ah, this is more me, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, awesome. Okay, second question: Who inspires you in the industry? So. Yeah. Whether you want to go art, yeah. whatever you're thinking, what who who are your inspirations? I guess if we were to strictly speak about branding or design, I think uh, Studio Pentagram. I think they're in, they're in the US. They I love their brand work because they're always very. Um, there's a bit of I guess exploration and bravery behind their 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 branding. So there's a, there'll be a few logos where it's not very obvious at the start as to what the logo is supposed to say but then it lives within a larger brand framework where everything sort of makes sense and intermingles and you sort of see that really worked hard to um brand beyond brand uh, a business or a service beyond just a, a single touch point and so i sort of enjoy how they explore and um the way they work and as far as art I think uh, I would say that actually music. I love a lot of um, a lot of 
musicians that sort of inspire me like or bands for example like Radiohead or the ones that are they're okay with pushing their own boundaries so like every album they tend to push themselves to a new direction I love that, I love that. yeah I, I liken that to innovating while it's still working exactly it's yeah. just like why would you but yeah. you have to and when you do it people yeah. like, like it's really cool yeah yeah and it's always like the response I was you know I like the older stuff better yeah. whatever it might be but that's fine you know they're you know part of me liking their music is because I also love their bravery so I love you know the way they push boundaries that way for mm. sure yeah that's really cool all sorts of things come up for me with that like the Steve Barmer quote when the iPhone came out there's yeah. so many things where the innovation pops up and it's like well, why would you change you know? yeah, yeah. and then all of a sudden boom that's like the new normal yeah for sure that's cool okay last question how do you stay on top of mastering your tools when mm. there are new ones all the time yeah so I get that, that gets down to the the, the day to day tactics well not the tactics but yeah the execution um i think the tools will always change yeah and so how do i stay, stay on top of that i think it all i guess the theory for if i'm thinking about art for example the base the techniques will always be based on the way the masters used to do it so like if you were to paint something it's about about a balance between light and shade and so no matter whether it's Photoshop or Illustrator, wherever you, it might be, um, as long as you know the base, you'll be able to work out the new tools uh, because you have this sort of ingrained way of working. Because mm. um, it's kind of like, yeah, similar to, you know, what I said before about creating an Instagram post based on the end result as opposed to the, the intent. Uh, like, I think it's just a, a good um, metaphor for life. You, know, is mm. you don't sort of if you have a strong base and understanding of the craft the tools will change but then you can still apply the the master sort of theory behind it yeah mm. cool thing that i just thought about then is with a lot of the platforms and stuff the 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 design the back-end design that they've put into the ux is meant that for me as a user mm to pick up the new tool has gotten yeah. faster and faster yeah, totally. whether that's a good thing or not i don't know maybe yeah, it means sure. they're not innovating or something but it seems like and i'm i'm fairly low level but it seems like to pick the thing up is becoming more and more intuitive yeah which is uh, kind of cool too yeah totally and yeah it would be like yeah it's not a mistake that it's easier to pick up now than, than it used to be like yeah like you mentioned ux and what they do is yeah when they design a new program or app that 100% spend a lot of time on the R&D phase before they even start building so they would be testing all these sort of things so um, you kind of have to put your faith in the UX's and, and them knowing what the heuristics are what the, the patterns of how people work with programs are so I don't think there'd be the new programs nowadays would be so vastly different mm. as long as you know the basics I would reckon that you'd be able to pick up the new programs quite easily so you're not sort of sitting there worried about AI and all these changes because you're like well whatever pops up yeah. I can bring my skill set or my eye to it yeah, and yeah. I'll be able to learn the tool. I would say like with any new programs you give yourself a month or two months and you you get to a certain level where you can start running with it and learning yeah. how to use it properly that way and I think the best way to learn anyways just by doing you know you can't you can read the manual but i don't tend to read manuals mm. too often because yeah you know maybe i should but it's yeah. easier it's more fun to play with it yeah so is there anything that excites you uh whether personally or for the businesses that you work with going forward or 
kind of things in the space overall? Yeah, um, I guess for me, per, on a personal level, I'm excited to uh, talk to a lot more artists and sort of um, uh, both as, as a way to connect with other artists and, and art creators, but also as a way to learn more about my own limiting belief in building a business around that. But as far as like working in the branding space, I've also, you know, I think there's so much to learn there. You know, there's, it's kind of like um, going down a rabbit hole. You, you learn about a particular way of, of strategy, brand strategy, then you learn about other people talking about it. And there's different sort of, I think the world is just <laughs> so complicated right now. It's too big to know everything, mm. uh, but it's exciting. You know, you just kind of have to pick your little corner and, and mm. stay in there for a while. Yeah. Yeah. If you're listening and you haven't kind of thought about this concept um, of the creativity becoming more and more important. I mean, I'm biased. I'm very passionate about this. I'd recommend reading Dan Pink's book, A Whole New Mind. Um, I mean, that was written 2006 or 2010. Mm. This has been coming for a long time, but essentially, you know, you it was 10, 15 years ago, you needed to be able to work the camera really well. You yeah. needed to be able to do these things really well to be able to get the posts up and yeah. be able to have the technical skills. And now we're at a level where I'm running this currently with a, you know, HD camera with the whole thing set up by myself. And so what I'm really excited about is the next step, which is the creative bravery. Yeah, it's sure. the, it's what you have It's what Johan has here um, in buckets. It's like, how can I, how can I go beyond the, the tech stuff? Yeah, Tech's yeah. important, but the thing is you got programmers now out of two programmers who have the skill set, one of them's going to be more artistic, yeah. have more empathy for the user, and that's going to be the person who now thrives. Yeah, yeah totally. Uh, which is awesome. I think it's I think it's so exciting because it's going to call all of us out and say, yeah. "Hey, you're going to have to really get back in touch with storytelling, yeah. art, creativity, all of the cool cool stuff." I think and play, play, play yeah, is yeah. like I think for some you know for some people, plays has been weeded out of them through school or university or work whatever it might be but it's definitely bring play back into your life even if it's not part of your business at the end of the day it's you know they'll bring you so much joy outside of you know your work life mm. it, it will seep back into your business regardless you know it just yeah. brings you so much joy and and allows you to experiment a lot more in a more sort of safer way yeah i love it uh anything else you want to add before we wrap up no just Thank you for hosting me. It's appreciate it. Cool. Now, probably best place is to go to your website. Yeah. So personal or yeah, personal website. So yeah. www. So J O M A P I. Yeah. And there's a lot of my um, art and design stuff on there. Yeah. And that's it. Uh, this is episode forty-six. Now, if you enjoyed it, then forward it to a friend. Uh, if you're in business or you have a friend in business, um, you know, whether they reach out or you reach out at any point or not, I think starting to get this world of looking at illustration and art and design and, you know, just on the side and, and kind of thinking about it, uh, could be very, very powerful. I think for you for the next five years, um, I know personally, I'm, I'm looking to go all in on that as much as possible and hope you enjoyed the episode we'll see you on the next one thanks for checking it out thank you thank you for listening that's it for today's episode i hope you enjoyed it if you did 
please forward to a friend or subscribe. Those are the two most helpful things you can do. As always, if you have any questions on the episode or specific questions for Johan, reach out to him directly or send them along to me, john at johntmarsh.com, and I'll make sure to get to them for in one of the future episodes. Thanks again, and I'll see you on the next one.